and welcome to Property Mastermind Podcast with Bob and Hillary, episode 85. This week we are talking how to work with a builder. We're going to talk through some things that you need to look out for and maybe some really good strategies on how to make your project, your property development, go really well by having a great relationship with your builder. So let's jump on into episode 85. episode 85 as I said how to work with your builder and giving away a copy of Property Millionaires Exposed again this week going to Carson Bolt caught up with Carson the other day Carson um, interesting dude anyway Carson this is on its way to you remember straight to page 121 about property development but we don't have to tell you that we know you're smart enough and you already know anyway Bob welcome to episode 85 thanks Hilary Coming out on January the 26th. Oh, is that Australia Day? It is too. (laughs) We should have thought of that. Australia Day. Happy Australia Day. Australia Day. Happy Australia Day. S-T-R-A-Y-A. Australia Day. Yeah. (laughs) Remember, remember, um, I don't know, it could be four or five years ago now. Yeah. We we, we had a real Australia Day uh, because Georgia was over as well from New Zealand. And Jono, yeah. And Jono. And we went to the... um, Storybridge. Storybridge Hotel, which always has a big big deal. And we did the cockroach races. races. We didn't even know that was a thing, that mm. they have cockroach races in Australia. Yeah, and all proceeds go to charity, of course. But we, we, um, we didn't. We didn't win much that day, did we, for the for the charities? Oh, that's so revolting, those things. What's oh. the name was there? That, the politician? Yeah, yeah, she was there. What was her name? <laughs> the sort of red-headed lady. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, no, she was there. Okay, <laughs> no one could, she, no one could she remember was her name. cockroaches. Uh, and um, all those other things. And remember, we, we bought kangaroo sausages and, um, you know, we, we did all the... Crocodile something. All the T-shirt thing. It was just a funny old thing because uh, here I was with three Kiwis on, on Australia Day. So um, I, I Australiaised everybody. You did. We had a fun Australia Day. We, we even had, like our dinner, we had a sh- Australian napkins and we had you know, yeah, party poppers. And, yeah, it was all crazy oh, stuff. it was a funny old day. Anyway. That's only because we had... A few visitors over from NZ. Mm. Anyway, anyway. Yes, uh, getting on well with your builder, how important is that? Oh, it's like getting on well with your wife. Happy <laughs> wife, happy life. Happy builder, happy life. Exactly. Happy development, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, you, know, not- you said that before, just before we kicked off mm. on this podcast. You said the best developments you've ever had or ever done have been when you've had a good relationship with your builder. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's the tip number one. Yeah, yeah. The, the best in terms of, like, enjoyment, I guess. Mm. Not necessarily the most profitable. That, that's not what I meant, you know, no. by the best. But, but the yeah. least amount of stress. Well, the thing is, you're with the builder for a long period. Mm. Like I said, happy wife, happy life. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I mean, choose other consultants. The, the real estate agent that you buy the site from, it's a pretty short relationship. Yeah. And if it wasn't a good one, then you wouldn't get them to sell your product at the other end. And mm. if it was, then you would. So that's okay. And I mean, even, even your other consultants, you know. Your architect, which, you know, on something like where you're building duplex townhouses, uh, yes, you're doing business with them for a while, but it's not a long while. Mm. And and there's not much can go wrong in a way in the respect that you would have gotten a fee proposal from your architect. You would have looked at other work they've done. You've discussed things. You, and then they come up with their first concepts, and, you know, and you just sort of work with them on that. Uh, not a lot of opportunity for for um you know getting into a bit of a dust up 
structural engineer, you know, those, those mm. other people. The relationships are a lot shorter. Short and quite technical. Yes. But a builder. Yeah, they're kind of more black and white. Mm. They're right or wrong. There's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're something like an engineer where they're just doing design. Yeah. You know, designing the the footings, the slab, the bracing in the walls. I mean, that's... That's it. Yeah, and you've gotten a fee proposal, so they can't sort of charge more or unless unless there's something that comes up in the course of things, uh, perhaps with, you know, say the architect, mm. he might have to make more changes based on response from council. Well, that's okay. It's just mm. a gnarly thing. So, But the builder. The builder is a long-term relationship, uh, and it, it could go on, particularly these days when build times are longer, uh, it, it could be 12 months. It mm. could be more than 12 months. And so you don't really want to be getting in a fight with a builder because, like you said, it's one of those fights that you're not likely to win. They've got a lot more... It makes more your life a misery if you're fighting with a builder for, oh. like, over a 12-month period. And a lot of that's got to do with choosing well at the beginning. Some of it's got to do with your attitude mm. to builders and, and how you integrate and deal with, with builders as well. And, and that... That brings on that whole personal aspect, Bob, that we often talk about, you know, being a great communicator and then understanding how your builder likes to communicate. If they're the sort of person that's coming back with one-word answers, they're just busy doing their thing, doing the do, as people say. If they're just out there doing it, mm. they don't want you hassling them. Or like, it, I think it, it's imperative at the start that you realise the type of person they are. Mm. And maybe even ask them how how shall we communicate with this? So it's really quite clear because yep. if you're a, a yakker and just wants to ring up and have a yarn with your builder every day, and you know how's it all going? They might not that might not work for them, and then you just irritate them. Mm-hmm. You get a good idea on the way through. So while you let's say you're running a tender and you've got three builders quoting or whatever it happens to be, or maybe you're talking to four initially, you get a bit of a feel for the communication even in those early days, mm. uh, like. If they're really slow to get back and reply to a phone call, well, this is before they've even got a job, before you're, you know, hooked up with them. Mm. If they're bad time managers, if they're really slow to get back, what's it going to be like after they're on a contract and you can't Mm. get away? They're probably going to be worse. There's a wee tip there worth taking home. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So somebody that's a good communicator, happy to spend the time and explain things about their quote, for instance, like th- these are before you sign a contract. Yeah. These are the sort of things you're looking for. I would assume that you probably had some sort of referral from somewhere. There's a reason why you approach these three builders. If they're in your patch, you've probably spoken to them previously about other jobs they've done in your area. You know, wh- wh- wherever they came from anyway, I assume they, you just didn't pluck them out of the sky. And, and out so, of Google. So there's some sort of pre-qualifications mm. going on, let's say. But now... We're, you know, putting them to the test. How quickly can they get back? You know, if if they say, I'll have a quote for you in three weeks, and in three weeks he says, oh, oh I need another week, and at the end of that, well, I need another week. Well, you, you can imagine what it's going to be like. We flag going on there. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a flag happening there, you know. But um, so that's got part of the things you do to choose a good builder. I mean, there's a whole heap of things. Yeah, of course. You do a whole couple of podcasts on that. But, but let's just assume, you know, the dollar value is okay. They've gotten back on time with their quotes. They've been happy to explain uh, you know, things you're not sure of. but And that's fine. That's just at the quote stage. But then where you can actually more likely to get a bit of angst is at the contract stage. 
But remember, it's not a contract until you've both signed it. So you can technically walk away until you've both signed the contract. But that's when there's quite a bit of sorting out mm. with the builder again. And this is back to communication and attitudes about a whole range of things, you know. Like, like there's things you can get into discussions that can become a little bit aggravated from time to time. It, th- could, it could, could simply be uh, things like, look, where, where the problems come with builders often around things like variations, yeah. extensions of time. Anything that gives the builder an opportunity to increase the price or increase the time of construction, you don't want. Mm. So you have to obviously minimise those opportunities. Uh, but sometimes there will be times when there needs to be a, a, a I'm not going to call it a heated discussion, you know, a lively discussion. Mm. And there may be compromises that have to be made because not every single factor necessarily can be taken into account in a building contract. No, and, you know, we just bounced those words around prior, fair and reasonable. A- yep. And, you know, think people, you have to be fair and reasonable and you don't have to win every battle to win the war if you were looking at it in that way. Yeah. What I'm saying is you, you need to be flexible. can't be too hard-nosed because, like you said, no. your builder, they've got way more ways to get back at you than you have at them. Yeah, yeah. It shouldn't be an adversarial thing. If, no. if it turns into that, better to walk away and, and even if you have to pay a bit more for another builder. Because it's going to be a nightmare, and, and that, like you just said, they'll they'll constantly be be at you, and uh, so. Bob, how many times have you used the same builder over over again and again? Like how many? What would you recommend, or do you not recommend uh, anything? Or how many of you? Some people think oh, I'll get a great builder and go my whole development career I'll have with that one builder. Yeah, it doesn't work out that way. The most projects I've ever done with one builder would have been well, probably five, maybe six. Mm. And uh, what was the it, reason you finished? Well, he after slowly the got more expensive and, and not competitive anymore. So, what was his reason for that? Well, did he grow, or what was the story? He did grow. Yeah. Um, when I, I actually carried him for when I met him, he was on the tools. Yep. And he wanted to get off the tools. So, so what that means is, is a builder who isn't just the, the licensed builder for a, for a job, but he's often out there. If he was a carpenter, he, he might be helping. And working with the framers, putting the frame up, and maybe at the fit out, you know, he just yep. he couldn't help himself. He came up as a carpenter. Yep. Often, often builders that come through the trades, like a carpenter, yep. uh, or even a bricklayer, sometimes, particularly carpenter, they love to get on the tools. And when they start off, they might be on the tools, so they just start off small, one man band, you know, home office, a ute, uh, and so in order to that's how to get started make, and make their money, they, they're also working on the tools. So they're sort of like drawing a salary off the tools. Mm. Uh, but they're the builders, so they make a builder's margin. But if they want to step up and become a bigger builder, then they, firstly, they've got to get off the tools. They've got to become more of a building manager. Mm. And they can still operate from home, but they might get a, a few building contracts going where they're not on the tools. They just have subcontractors. And then they might be doing their own inspections. But then when they get a couple of more uh, you know, projects to build, they might start to get in a, a building supervisor. And they, and they can grow like that. Well, that's what this builder wanted to do. So I... First thing I did, I mate, mean, you've got to get off the tools, you know. We've got to get you off the tools and uh, you need you know, you need to get a step up, get an office. He wanted to do a number of projects at a time. And he was doing some other projects for other, other people as well, and that, that was fine. Um, I, I got introduced to, to that builder by a, a developer mate of mine as well. Mm-hmm. 
but we got him to a point now it was like it was good for a while but the pro- one of his problems was he kept using the exact same subcontractors all the time because they were mates Oh, the and, old and he relationships. Could, he couldn't separate his business from his friendships. Mm. So he'd be out playing golf or going fishing with the plumber drainer, and oh and, god! And, and this other guy's his best mate and his second best mate, and and they just started thinking, well, every time they quote a job for him, they're going to get it because they're mates, mm. and they'd be putting their prices up. Right. And he it came to a point where he said, look, I'm going to do a job. Was 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 one? He said, I'll, "I'll do a really tight price." And I said, "Well, your prices have been like getting out there a bit," and and it didn't it didn't work at all. And I said, "Is that the best you can do?" He said, "Look, I'm not money making like a five percent margin." And I said, "Well, sh- show me your open your books up." And I, I could tell that like some of these subcontract prices were really high. And I got another builder. I, I, I was sort of talking to at the time. And I said, look, I'm happy to do it because you probably can, can just give us a bust up. And I was comparing, like, the plumbing draining prices of him, the plastering, across right. at the other subcontractors. And every one of this builder's subcontractors were, were, was right up there. Yeah, and I could I see, yeah, he, he probably wasn't, he probably did have a 5% margin for himself, but the other guys are ripping into him. But anyway, that's, a, that's getting off subject a bit. But, but builders uh, can get a bit, a bit high. So, Bob, another thing we have heard, noticed and seen is just especially over recent times with the uh, increase in uh, materials hmm. so builders and and just that slowing down yeah some builders have almost been caught a wee bit with their pants down oh some have and, and a number of builders have gone broke too yeah so if, if you're in that case or what would you what do you suggest people do if they're dealing with a builder right now uh, and that's happened to them so mm. the, the builders probably likely trying to do you know finding ways to claw back money finding ways to add variations to just to get more money what would be your advice on that well i'll take it one step back and say give yourself the minimum opportunity for variations a variation being an opportunity for a builder to change a price no prime cost items no provisional sum items a really detailed specification Detail every item, the brand, the model number, do all of that. Detail design plans. So that's what you need to do to give minimum opportunity to vary. But if it was a lump sum fixed price contract, which is what the banks love, financiers love, then yes, they probably would have loaded a bit of fat in at the beginning mm. to, to cope with some increases, but perhaps not enough. And now... As soon as they realise their profit margins are being eroded, they'll look for every opportunity, like you just said, to get money back uh, or to extend the length of the contract. So a really tight contract to begin with limits it. Mm. It, it becomes a situation where they, they'll shoot for variations even though they may not technically be able to claim them under the contract. That's why you really need to be over your contract, eh? You need to... Know what's in it. You need to know what's in your contract, mm. uh, which comes back to getting the best contract you can at the beginning. What I mean by the best contract, it still has to be fair. Yeah. Uh, a yeah, fair no contract hard is a knows. good contract. Yeah, exactly. Things like, and I'll get back to that subject, but liquidated damages. Yeah. How much the builder has to pay you for every day goes over time. It has to be reasonable. It has to be enough to make the builder not want to go over time. Mm. But like, don't get into a big fight about it because what will happen, 
if you try and increase that too much, they'll just increase the length of the build so that they never get to a point of, of going over time. So if you keep pushing too hard, you know, if a fair, fair amount's $150 a day for every day they go over time and you're pushing for 350 and it's a big argument, they'll just say, well, oh, it's no longer... At a month. <laughs> well, or, or three. Yeah. So that it will never happen. And then now you've got a long contract mm. that you didn't really want. But you, you might have been better just going back to a realistic liquidated damages and not try and work the builder over who ultimately can, you know, and, and, and they'll be looking for all sorts of opportunities to extend time. So it's got to be fair. If it's fair and reasonable at the beginning... And both parties are fair and reasonable. It'll be a good, it'll be a good uh, project. So, so back to those lump sum fixed price contracts, and it can happen that some builders are being caught, and some builders have uh, come back to people and and asked them to, uh, you know, tip in a bit extra. Mm. Now, I'll tell you what you don't want to happen. You don't want a builder to go broke because that that's one of the worst things that can happen to you. Really, it costs you money when a builder goes broke. You don't want to go there, so you don't want it like just tip a builder in or just be so hard that they end up uh, it's easier for them just to wind it up than to you know lose money mm. and so there might be a little bit of give and take maybe there's a few extra costs that you have to share even though you technically might not need to well that just happened to me yeah on it your project d- and and that i was fully okay with that mm. I, I, a great relationship with the builder he was very honest and upfront very impacted by yeah, what's going on. He showed on. you his costs, everything he'd quoted on, yep. stuff that nobody anticipated that would have gone where it went. Uh, and just ask, would you pay that? Yeah. Um, and he's wearing a fair bit of those yep. costs himself, but yep. he just asks you if you, and fair and reasonable. So the, the good relationship continues. The project is a good project. It's a profitable project, and it will con- continue mm. um, because the relationship's there. Mm. Yeah. And and, so and, lo- and long may it last. Long may it last. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it, it's that fine balance mm. with a builder, getting a good builder, a, a good price, a contract that, that's fair but, you know, doesn't give a lot of opportunity for either one to take advantage of the other. Mm. The thing is about contracts, taking one step back because we're talking about fixed-price contracts, some markets are builders' markets, yes, and some markets aren't. We talk about buyers' markets and sellers' yep. markets in real estate. If, if there's lots of building construction going on, builders are really busy. We know that, you know, their margins will be higher, the subbies' margins will be higher, and that sort of thing. But they can pick and choose their contracts. Mm. So it's harder to negotiate a contract um, that's, and sometimes even fifty-fifty fair. Reasonable builders with reasonable people will still come up with a decent contract, mm. uh, and and you, there's a lot you can do to get a to get a good workable contract that works with with both both but, parties. I mean, in, in, in an ideal world, you know, everyone's happy with the, with the outcome, mm. and nobody's not happy. And sometimes, when if you're talking about when it's not a builder's time, you know, if they go in too low because they're desperate for work. That is not a good scenario. No, no. no. When, when there's not a lot of construction on, you'll have a lot more competition. Mm. But, like, if you were to get four prices from three or four builders and one, you know, three of them, let's say four. You just said this recently, eh? One came in three, really low. You're like, three are around the same price and one's, boom, right down there. I'd, I'd be seriously worried about that one that's really low. Yeah. Another well, great tip there, everybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if three are around the same... 
then that's probably around the right right money. And then you look at a range of things, not just dollar value. It's you know how long. Yeah. Someone's going to build in eight months. Someone is going to build in twelve. That's all. You know, you can work out the interest rate difference, and, mm. and it might be better off going not with the cheapest one. Mm. It's going to cost you more, less in bill cost and more in interest. So there's lots of p- components to that. But back to the relationship side, I think it gets back to what you said before about right at the beginning about good communication, good open lines of communication. But not just – I think that's that's number one is the open lines, but also finding out how they like to communicate. You know, like if they like to keep – you know, obviously you need to be updated. Hmm. But if they want to chat to you, then that's – okay but if they're not a, a chatter hmm. i mean we all know when we're on the phone with that person who won't stop talking yeah. and you're just thinking you're yeah. wasting you're wasting your own life away hmm. here yeah so if you're not far from your patch you can do weekly or fortnightly meetings on site which you should do uh if uh, or get someone else to do it for you but you should hmm. should be doing those and, and that's fine but there'll be occasions in between where the builder needs to know things yes called an rfi uh, you know for further information i just want want to know a request for further information and that's okay uh, they might i didn't know the acronym i got further information i was like what's the r in my head i'm sitting there was anyone else listening to it thinking what's bob talking about yeah, rfi I, ju- I jumped over it a bit but yeah. Yeah, re- request for further information uh and and so that that'll be in between those sorts of talks and discussions it, it might be that you can't get that particular type of underbench oven that you've specified but there's another one that's just as good would you be happy with that it could be a simple conversation yeah like that. Uh, there's no, there might be no variation in price. Well, that's okay. That's cool. That's a pretty quick one. Mm. Um, What's been your worst experience, Bob? What have you had a, a re- actually? I do know you have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your What's been an experience that wasn't good and you've managed to turn it around? Let's go there. Like with a well, builder, you've had well, a the bad hardest time I've ever had with a builder. I've had I've had two builders go broke on me. Yeah. And just explain for people listening what that means because that's that's not good. Well, it's not good when a builder goes broke during the construction. Mm. Uh, I'd probably rather them go broke on the first day than, or the last day. Mm. But, you know, a third of the way through or half the way through, it, it, Ouch. It, it's not good because, uh, well, there's a whole legal process you have to go through uh, to basically cancel the, in, the contract which then enables you to enter into a new contract with another builder. And that builder usually is a little bit nervous about what the other well, builders done, be, aren't they? It's going to be more expensive. Yep. They've got to take over uh, the quality of the other builder, basically. You know, they've got to take over. Of the prior work done. All the prior work done, yeah. yeah. So, And if a builder's been going broke, he might have been cutting corners. They, so they've got to, you know, you've got to have a really strong audit, the builder, the quantity surveyor. Anyway, that's that could be a podcast in its own. But getting back to it, uh, the builder was obviously, and, and it wasn't his only project. I heard he was he was actually profitable enough on our project, but there was another two or three that weren't. Right. And so collectively, he's sort of going backwards. And so he was trying to use every opportunity he could to get money out of us. And often uh, for things that contractually he couldn't, but he was just trying to bluff us all the time. And so it was a constant fight. Until he finally went broke, uh, and uh, we had to get legal opinions in there. You know, we had very strong contract law contacts. But every time he questioned it, you know, we'd have to respond. Well, to do it properly, we responded via our contract law specialist mm. as to why that he can't claim that, or he can't claim that much. Or was it just a constant battle? 
uh, until un, un, until he finally went, and then we had to replace him, uh, and then replaced him with. Uh, well, on two occasions, they were replaced with other builders that I knew. Yeah. Uh, even though they were more expensive, and you know, there's a bit of a delay, and you know, there's legal things involved. Um, but that then it was okay. Mm. Uh, although, yeah. Bob, so. how stressful is that scenario when your builder's going broke? What's that like well, for the developer? Well, you think he's going. Well, you, yeah, first yeah. of all, you don't know why he's trying to grab money, money from everywhere. Yeah. But then that's a big, big red flag. Yeah. Um, and and but it's like you you're constantly in battle. Yeah. You're constantly getting hit with variations of all sorts and arguments of all sorts. So the project management side, from the developer's point of view, is no joy. Mm. Yeah. It must well. It'd be like a marriage gone bad. You know, constant bickering and fighting. It's a mm. bit like that, I mm. guess. So. Um, toilet seat up, toilet seat down, sort of scenario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so that that's been my my, my toughest uh, times. It's it's that. Um, did, but could you see it happening? Like when it started, did you think, "Ha, oh, here we go"? At what point, uh, you know, after a he- we, if looking back, how long did it take you to realise what was happening? Well, I was starting to get hints from Quant- the quantity surveyor, who, who they hear rumours in the market, right? Because the the quantity surveyors are going to lots and lots of projects every month for financiers, and they, so they're dealing with lots of builders, and quite often, uh, it starts with subcontractors not getting paid. Whispering. And so they're chasing the developer for money, but not paying the subbies. Right. And so the subbies complain immediately. What the subbies usually do is go straight to the financier or the quantity surveyor Mm. and start saying, hey, we're not getting paid. If they go to the financier, and it's not hard to work out who the financier is, even from a subcontractor's point of view, because all they have to do is a $20 title search and the the financier will be registered first mortgagee. Right. They contact them. The first thing then the financier's starts to ring up the developer, rings up the quantity surveyor to start checking things out, you know, what's Mm. going on, you know. Uh, Or sometimes another indication is a builder's getting paid monthly and then he starts asking for fortnightly payments on the way through. That doesn't necessarily mean it, but it it generally means they're suffering for cash flow. Yeah. Um, So if that happened to you, if somebody did start asking to, you know, improve their cash flow by paying fortnightly would you would you go with that bob i'm i want to know why but would you and and not, if you not necessarily why. because firstly the financier might simply say no right the deal is you know monthly, monthly and that's that the, you know the contract's monthly yeah so your contract with them is is that they get paid monthly mm. so but your loan with the bank is that it gets paid monthly yeah so even if you agreed you and the builder being the two parties on the contract, the financier probably wouldn't. In fact, that would be a big red flag for a financier uh, and, and not one you'd want. I, I do know a builder and a very good one and a very solid builder who actually uh, gets paid fortnightly and not monthly. That's in his contracts? Right from the beginning. Is that a cash flow issue? Uh, thing it's never an issue. He's not, yeah, he's not short of money. Cash this guy. flow requirement. It, it helps his cash flow. Yeah. And he said, the benefit for me is I can get really good subcontractors at a better price mm. because I can pay them basically weekly mm. instead of monthly. Mm. And they know it's safe because they finished the week and they got paid. Mm. Uh, and and he said, and I, I'm happy to pass that on. Mm. He said, because I can really run my business really well with fortnightly payments. Mm. Is that why you do it too? You pay your bills immediately? I, I just pay <laughs> If the money's there, I just pay it to get it out of the way. And I like, you know, 
bunches of invoices lying around. Yeah. Uh, so, but that that's an example of of a builder who gets paid fortnightly. But but you know that from day one, mm. and you know why. And the financiers okay, if they know why from day one, and and obviously it has to be a builder that's got a good track record, and they stack up as that particular builder does. Uh, it's okay. So let's let's pull this one into an end, Bob. I think what we've rea- what we've sort of realised we could summarise to number one, you don't always take the cheapest builder. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's all about the relationship. And have a great relationship with your builder. Mm. Number three, look out for the red flags. Yeah. And I guess in there is you both need to be winning. The builder yeah. needs to stay liquid and make a make a fair profit. Mm. And you do too as a developer. Yeah. So there's no point being hard-nosed. It needs to be a win-win situation when things, before they get really bad, if you're interacting well, you'll, you'll all work together to make mm. things happen well. Yeah. And, and most of it's sorted out at the contract stage. Yeah. It's only things that change during the build that can, beyond that, create dramas. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for your uh, wisdom and vital tips there. If you're interested in education with us, check out propertymastermind.com.au. And if you'd like to win a copy of our book, subscribe to our YouTube channel and give us some love. <laughs> I think that's it, Bob. That, that was a good one. I enjoyed ha- that. Happy Australia Day, if happy you're listening. Happy Australia Day, everybody. Happy Australia Day. Hope your cockroach won. <laughs> I'm off to the beach. No cockies there. (laughs) All right. Bye. See ya.